Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Sports In Podcast. My name is Pat Fletcher, and as ever, I am joined by Chris Ainsco. Chris, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Pat. Yeah, good to good to see you, and uh, delighted to be joined by a Patrick on St Patrick's Day. Hey, <laughs> so, got me Guinness here. I'll raise a raise a glass to you. <laughs> yeah, as ever, um, we release this on a Wednesday, so it is St Patrick's Day for us. I know you'll be listening probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever. But yeah, St Paddy's Day, and. Uh, Buzzing to be here, Chris. Yes, certainly am. <laughs> so for those new to the podcast, we aim to make this your weekly insight into the world of sport. We will cover the latest sporting news, dissecting the previous weekend of action, whilst taking a look at what the weekend ahead has in store. We will cover every blade of grass in the run-up to the season finale, offering our trusty opinions from fantasy football to Super 6. And not to forget, we will be inviting local athletes and professionals to come and give you an insight into their world of sport. So we start with another sports quiz question, Chris. Now I've gone, uh, I've gone unique for this one. You certainly have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so interestingly, this is the question. What is the maximum score you can get in a 10-pin bowling match? So any thoughts, Chris? Yeah, so I, I've only just seen this when I printed it off about five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, my head is 280. And I, but I feel like that's just going off darts um, at 180. And I've done it. <laughs> so I don't know where I've got that from. So it could be miles out. Uh, haven't a clue. Could be miles out. Could be close. Um but we will find out at the end of the podcast. So, listeners, what's the maximum score you can get in a 10-pin bowling match? I think we have to start with the Players' Championship, Chris, um, what I believe is our second favourite sport. Uh, but to the despair of Britain's Lee Westwood and the delight of Americans, Justin Thomas. Any thoughts on Justin Thomas's win? Yeah, he obviously um, sort of came from under the radar on the Sunday there, didn't he? Um, it was all looking like it was another showdown between Westwood and Deshambo. But yeah, he's obviously come back from what's been a pretty topsy-turvy few months for him, hasn't it, really? But I wanted to mention this because the listeners won't know this, but we did a trial episode, didn't we? And you said that you need to keep an eye out on Lee Westwood and you were proven right with this players' championship. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's, he's doing all right, isn't he? Um, I think, we, yeah, we brought him up quite a bit last week, didn't we, as well? I can't remember. We might have, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's certainly certainly doing all right. <laughs> so an interesting fact uh, for you. There was a South Korean, Byung Hun An, and he scored an octuple bogey 
on the first day. An octable bogey. I mean, that's like watching you, Chris, playing. There's no need for that, Pat. No, we should probably mention actually, um, golf in Wales uh, has just had the go ahead, isn't it? So I've actually tried my hand uh, at it again, and the results have been, yeah, mixed. Probably was in the same boat as uh, Hunan yesterday. <laughs> you, you played with JT, who, who came out victorious? Uh, we weren't scoring, probably luckily for me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to quick mention as well, Bryson DeChambeau, he finished in a, in T3, uh, which for those who don't know, is a, a tied third. Um, he is looking good now, especially towards after the cut. He, he produced some amazing scores. Um, and do you think he could be one of the favourites going on to the Masters in a couple of weeks' time? Has to be really, doesn't he? Um, it's hard to look past him on his day when he's all guns blazing. Um, but I'd say this year particularly, it seems like there's a crop of players who are right in the mix, um, sort of bringing out results every other week. So I think it's going to be really interesting. And, and we have to mention Rory McIlroy, Chris. I mean, disappointment once again. He's missed the cut. He put two in the water on 18 in the first round. And I don't think he ever recovered from that. No, like you say... Um, Another disappointment, really. It almost seems like there's always that promise there going into every tournament. And then he's, it's like he's got one of those uh, terrible rounds in his locker, which sort of throws away his chances um, at the tournaments at the moment, it seems to, to be. But there was an interesting, he came out afterwards, didn't he? And said that he thinks he's going wrong in sort of trying to copy Deshambo, adding distance to his game and that he's lost the sort of accuracy and control that he had. Um, so it's how he dials that back in and whether he can do that in time for the Masters. That's really interesting, that an honest view of a, of a professional who, let's be honest, they don't like to compare themselves with other pros, do they really? No. Um, so that is really interesting, considering they're going to be both looking to be favourites in that Masters. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all teeing up nicely for that. Teeing up nicely. And from golf to cycling, uh, we go to the Terreno Adriatico. Now, I know, Chris, you're a you're a big lover of uh, the cycling. This was an event that ran from Wednesday, the 10th of March to Tuesday, the 16th of March. So it actually finished last night for us. Um, so I just wanted to, to ask you, um, were you impressed with certain cyclists like Geraint Thomas and Simon Yates? Or were you disappointed with how they... They ran in the uh, in the event. Yeah, so um, I'll try not to put people to sleep here. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for those of you who do like your cycling, we, we do have some vested interest uh, interest in it, I guess, with Geraint Thomas being involved and also uh, Simon Yates, uh, like you said. And it didn't go to plan, shall we say? Um, oh dear. After so Thomas lost um, a bit of time on stage three I think it was um there was a crash ahead of him it's quite unfortunate then I think it was stage five he ended up losing 14 minutes to the leaders blew up a bit and that was his chances gone really um should probably add that the race itself was won overall by Tadej Pogacar uh, he's Slovenian and he won last year's tour 
He's only 22, so he's the same age as us. <laughs> Won the tour. And we're sat here doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and he is he's on fire at the moment. So going into the Tour de France, Garrett Thomas is uh, focusing on that one, but it's it's hard to see past Pogaccia, I'm afraid. Oh, interesting. Um, for those who don't know it, the Terreno Adriatico, it's known as the race of the two seas, isn't it? Because it's ran between the Terranian and the Adriatic coasts, if mm. I'm correct. Yeah, I believe so. I'm not sure which way around. <laughs> or, um, or, I know it's across across Italy. That's all I um, Yeah, all I know. across Italy. And uh, it's obviously a big cycling event in preparation for the Giro d'Italia, which I believe is, is coming up soon as well. That's coming up soon, yeah. And um, funnily enough, the last year's Giro was won... Uh, by a Brit when I think I think it was actually Thomas who injured his hip early on I think it was stage three and uh, Tau Geo Gagan Hart I think I've butchered his name there um, <laughs> from Hackney in London and he was just supporting Geraint Thomas going into that and ended up winning it um, and he was also in action this week funnily enough um, in a race Paris-Nice and he crashed out of that early on and had to retire with concussion. So not a great week for British cycling, really. <laughs> no, not a great week for British cycling. But uh, as we move on to the cricket, I suppose a better week. Uh, England put themselves in a in a strong position. They're 2-1 up in a five-match series. Um, I was lucky enough to watch a bit of last night's perform yesterday's performance uh, where England won by eight wickets, Chris. And Josh Butler top scored with 83, uh, not out. And for those listening who enjoy their cricket, Josh Butler, I mean, you could argue he's one of the, the best T20 cricketers around um, with his bat, with the bat. And he annihilated the Indian bowlers. Um, when I watched him and Bairstow were cruised England to a, a victory and uh, it's just fantastic to watch England at the moment and I'm pretty sure going up into the T20 World Cup in the summer that England have got to be up there with with the favourites. It's good to see them uh, put in that type of performance really, um, quite an emphatic win like you say and Josh Butler on his day is entertaining isn't he, good to watch uh, in that format. Oh, that's again. brilliant. Do you remember when we went uh, we went to a cricket match, didn't we? And do you remember Butler nearly put it where we were sitting? You got that memory? Where was that? Where were we... So we were sat in like the cow corner position. Cow no, corner. I mean, I mean which game? Oh, sorry. Game, sorry. Um, <laughs> which... It was England Australia uh, in Cardiff, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah. Do we get rained yeah. off? Or um, oh, I don't know, but I just have a weird memory of Butler putting one into cow corner and we're literally six rows in front of us. <laughs> I got so excited, ready for a catch, and it never fell. But yeah, so England obviously two one up in the final match, and I hopefully they can continue and, and win that series. Um and then I wanted to, to briefly talk about the Six Nations as well, because last week we mentioned that Wales had two remaining games. They had Italy and they had France, and they well, would you say battered Italy 48-7 on the weekend? Battered's probably the right term there, Pat. That seems to be the case most weeks for the Italians, sadly. Italy, I mean, there's been talk, isn't there, why they're in the Six Nations. I think, is, is it their 31st 
defeat in a row in the Six Nations. Could be, yeah. I mean, I'm not too sure the exact run, but it's it's so that's that's good. over say six seven years that they haven't won a Six Nations match. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you I know. don't know. Uh, there is talk of, or certainly there was before the tournament, wasn't there, of um, the idea of relegation. Um, so having someone new each year, I don't know the likelihood of that, but obviously it's it's not good when you know going into it, do you, the result? So everyone likes an underdog, don't get me wrong, but it seems a bit far to the uh, to the extreme. Yeah, and I suppose you could argue Scotland is the underdog, really, isn't it? I mean, they yeah. they beat England uh, week one, and and they've they've only really a narrow defeat to Ireland, twenty four twenty seven. It really was. Um, they they were, um, I won't say unlucky, but they obviously came back. Um, I think they scored two converted tries to level it at 24 all and then conceded a penalty um, with five minutes to go. It was quite a good game. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a shame for them, really. I suppose that's just game management, isn't it? To try, Irish have got a bit more experience at maybe seeing out games. Scotland might have had their their hopes up, you know, with obviously beating England, they might have gone for the gone for the jugular with in, with uh, Ireland and obviously missed out on a win there. Um, so quickly on that, the table. So Wales are on 19 points. France yeah. are on 11. So I've worked out that France need to get maximum points for Wales and get at least four against Scotland to win the Six Nations. I'll trust your maths there, Pat. <laughs> if, well, if Wales get a point, so it's 4-1, isn't it, if you win a, a game, or it's 5-0. So if France beat Wales, but Wales have a narrow margin, Wales will gain a point. So if Wales gain a point, France can't win the Six Nations. OK, we'll, we'll find out. We'll put you to the test next couple of weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, listeners will uh, will have a, have a go at me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that is the... Uh, that's the scale of it. Um, and then Cheltenham, Chris, the Cheltenham Festival. All our mates uh, trying to bet and win money this week. And there's been a few surprises along the way, I must admit. Favourites have won. But a horse, Jeff Kidder, um, sprang a stunning... Yeah, Jeff Kidder. Would you believe it? Eh? <laughs> it sprang a, a stunning 80 to 1 surprise in the Boodles ju- juvenile handicap hurdle. 80 to 1. <laughs> It'd be all right if you had a couple of quid on that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a fiver on that. That's 400 quid. I mean, you'd take that, wouldn't you? Um, but speaking of bets, have you have you put any put any on this week? I haven't, Pat. No, I'll be saving that for the Grand National, I think. Um, <laughs> don't tend to bet on the horse racing, but. It's uh, nice to see Jeff Kidder going well. (laughs) Right then, Chris, let's dissect the upcoming Premier League fixtures. And would you believe it, with it being an FA Cup weekend, there's only four. So we've got a Friday night match, Fulham v Leeds. Um, What is your thoughts on Leeds getting a, a solid result, would you say, against Chelsea on the weekend? Good clean sheet, isn't it, for them? Um, not really. You'd normally expect to see a few goals uh, there, wouldn't you? Especially if that game would have taken place a few weeks earlier with um, Lampard, you would have thought a bit more open. I don't know. Um, yeah, goal yeah, straw there. So 
I think they'll be looking to carry that clean sheet forward, I'd imagine, and also add or get on the score sheet themselves. Um, so I'd be back in Leeds there. They need Paddy Bamford fit. I know he uh, came off injured with a dead leg, I believe, after half an hour against Chelsea. And, and uh, yeah, I think Bielsa will, will be needing him. Um, he's their goal threat and certainly think Leeds can get something in that game, uh, especially with, well, potentially Fulham might sit back and actually allow Leeds to have the ball, maybe. I don't know. Um, but certainly one to keep an eye out, especially if Bamford's fit for maybe a captain choice. Um, yeah. And then the big game of the weekend, you've got to say down the bottom, Saturday, Brighton v Newcastle. It is a huge game. I mean, uh, Newcastle, what a point that could be for them against uh, Villa the weekend, wasn't it? Um, late. Jamal Lascelles. That's it, a very, what was it, last minute? It was within the last 30 seconds of the four. game. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So that could prove to be a massive point in the run in there. Um, so be keeping a close eye on that game. Can you? Which way do you see that one going? Uh, I'd say draw there. Draw. I'd say both teams can't afford to lose. Would be my prediction. Um, and then Super Sunday. It's actually quite a good Sunday. Um, an all London derby with West Ham Arsenal, um, which will be my captain choice in that game. And then Ooh. Aston Villa v Spurs. Going yeah, going back to West Ham Arsenal there. Um, obviously West Ham uh, conceding. An own goal, wouldn't it, Craig Dawson? They're sort of unlikely rock. It's turned out the second half of the season, uh, putting into his own net. And Arsenal will be looking forward to carrying on their form from the North London derby. Uh, so. <laughs> the North London derby, where we <laughs> chose our captain choices and they both got substituted before the hour mark. <laughs> uh, in fact, Hummin Son who I said uh, could capitalise on a weakened Arsenal side, got substituted after 13 minutes uh, due to injury, which was fantastic. And your captain, Gareth Bale, what did he do, Chris? Um, nothing, uh, probably <laughs> is a, a good summary, and he got subbed after 57 minutes. But I don't know if you remember on this, uh, when we recorded last week, you said that Gareth Bale was going to pull his hammy <laughs> and go off injured. And it ended up being your captain choice it happened to. So, or not, I don't know what he well, called, what he injured, but um, yeah. Did you say that's the common tater's curse, Christopher? Yeah. Um, but there we go. It is what it is. And my captain choice this week, I'm sticking to a London team. And I believe Mikel Antonio, who I have uh, much admiration for uh, in the trial episode when I mentioned it to you. So I think Arsenal at home. Even though Arsenal have done well recently, I think he can capitalise um, on what I believe is still a weakened Arsenal team, especially at the back. Um, so I'm going to go for Antonio. Can see that one, Pat. I'm still not 100% decided on this one. I'll either be visiting either of the Friday and Saturday games, really. So um, thinking Rafinha, maybe. Uh, Leeds. There, I'd expect them to score in that game, so I'd be open for a contribution from him. But I've also put in Neil Mope this week. Um, perhaps if Brighton are keen to get three points on the board there, um, he may get on the score sheet, so I'll be keeping an eye on that one. Um, Interesting one, that with Mope. I mean, obviously, Trossard scored on the weekend, Lana 
got man of the match against the Saints. I don't Maupay, would you say average on the weekend? But yeah, maybe he can turn up the style on that massive game. And you know, it's one of those games which sort of screams your number, your number nine getting a a, a goal, doesn't it? Really, to me. <laughs> Just... Well, it definitely won't be Andy Carroll. It? Well, no, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a one 0 If you could bring me bring me something home, I'd like it. So obviously, uh, there is a uh, what do you say a narrow fixture list or a shortened fixture list uh, because of the FA Cup and. We've got some exciting fixtures, I suppose, in the FA Cup. I mean, Leicester Man United is a standout. Um, and I believe one of those teams, if they win, could fancy themselves going all the way. Um, I think well, we've got Chelsea Sheffield United as well. That's it, yeah. And uh, the other fixtures are Everton against Man City and Bournemouth hosting Southampton. So obviously Bournemouth, the, the lowest ranked team left in it. Um, but only what... Three games away from, or two games away from Wembley, is it? Uh, well, I think, no, I think FA Cup, they do Wembley in the semi-final, don't they? Oh, there we go, 90 minutes do, away yeah. from Wembley. So. so, yeah, if you're a Bournemouth or Southampton fan, you, you're thinking, right, come on, you know, we can try and get to Wembley here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'd be an interesting one. I'd probably, if I was to predict all those four, I'd probably say it'd be Southampton to, to go through against Bournemouth. I'd probably say Man United at Leicester. Um, Man City at Everton and then I'd say a home banker for Chelsea I think I'd be following suit there as well Now Super 6 um, because we released this on a Wednesday so listeners we won't give our predictions via the podcast due to uh, there's already a Super 6 event now going ahead on the Wednesday night as we speak so we won't be able to know what games are on Super 6 so you can look out for for our predictions on the league, if you go onto the mini league, uh, the sports in podcast mini league, you can click on one of our names and you can see our predictions there. It's also a big game uh, for the women's Super League, Chris, on Friday night, uh, with Arsenal taking on Manchester United. Now, I believe you've got some some news about a, a potential local star playing for Manchester United at the moment. Yeah, funny enough, saw this the I believe it was a week a week ago now, or maybe two weeks ago, could be wrong. Um but I also spoke to it in my about her in my interview with George. Um Carrie Jones, who I believe is from Newtown, uh, made her debut for Manchester United, uh, a substitute appearance in their three 0 win over Aston Villa. Uh, oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, only seventeen years of age. Um has moved to Manchester now, so that's one to keep an eye on. And uh, if you'd like to hear more about Carrie, um, I bring that up with in our in my interview with George, which we'll sort of mention later on. Um, but yeah, it's great news for local sport, really. And we don't have a lot of local sports news to bring you at the moment, obviously, with sort of grassroots everything being cancelled. Um, but it's nice to see something like that. It is, Chris, and I know George has a big high praise for Carrie. I know her work ethic and her attitude is impeccable, I think he uses the word. So, yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, Arsenal will be looking to, to bounce back uh, because they've got no win in three, and I believe they're six points behind third place Manchester United. So it's a third v fourth clash. And then the Women's Super League um, leaders at the moment, Chelsea, 
Uh, they travel to Merseyside on the on the uh, tonight. Sorry, it, it's actually going ahead as we speak. Um, they're facing Everton, who are fifth and are sixteen points behind Chelsea. <laughs> So, an on this day fact. Now, as ever, we will give uh, an on this day fact. Now, for, for us, it's uh, March the 18th because we're going to say it as we release it tomorrow, Thursday, March the 18th. So, we go back to 1995, Chris, and it's to do with the NBA. So, Michael Jordan announces he is ending his 17 month NBA retirement and he is rejoining the Chicago Bulls. Now, Bulls at this stage had a 34 to 31 record and they were really struggling. 34 wins, 31 defeats was unheard of as in previous years they were winning NBA championships. Um, And this is how good Michael Jordan is. 34 to 31 before and then after he comes out of retirement, they finish on 47 wins, 35 defeats and they make the playoffs. He is just outstanding, isn't he? That's a pretty big influence when you put it um, in terms of that score record. Uh, and obviously after 17 months on the or away from the game, um, that's, yeah, pretty impressive. And for those who watched uh, The Last Dance on Netflix, I mean, I was glued, glued to it. I think there was 10 episodes. And Michael Jordan was, well, I mean, I was just in awe watching him. The jump shots, the three-pointers, the slam dunks. Um, he was just, he was just unbelievable. I know he had a really good side with him. He had Scotty Pippen and and uh, Dennis Rodman, um, who were, you could argue, they're his like right hand and left hand men. But honestly, he was just an absolute joke to watch, uh, and I really enjoyed that series. Did you uh, manage to catch catch it? I haven't got around to seeing it at all. No, I remember there being quite a bit about it at the time. Um, so yeah, might have to chuck that on my to watch list if you recommend it Pat I definitely will Chris and, and I definitely will to any listeners who haven't seen it I'm sure uh, some have but it's just it's just fantastic and it also not just a player's uh, role you can also look at the coaching role as well and, and how uh, and the management role and the board and everything and it was just it was just fantastic so Chris Pass the pod challenge. Do you want to explain to the listeners about this? Yeah, so um, we've—I don't know whether challenge is maybe the right word—but um, we've we've noticed some mates uh, passing around the pod, either on social media or just mention it uh, word of mouth to their friends. Um, so we had a bit of a surprise. I know I spoke to you the weekend, Pat, and we logged on to our dashboard and saw that. It hadn't just been listened to in the UK. <laughs> 99% of listeners are from the UK. Um, but we actually had listeners in Australia and the USA, <laughs> much to our surprise. It sort of baffled us. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit of a shock when we uh, <laughs> we were in the middle of just talking to each other. I looked at us, I was like, what's going on here? Um, but we thought it'd be a bit of a laugh if you know anyone who lives abroad, if you could re- recommend the podcast to them or just share the link straight to them in Messenger, don't even say anything, um, and they play it. And we could, we could see over the next few weeks, um, keep an eye on where it's listened to and sort of feed that back to you. It's a, 
a bit of a fun one to keep a watch on. So yeah, I love that, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I thought it just uh, <laughs> it might be good fun to just keep an eye on and keep checking every week. Well, it is, isn't it? I mean, Australia and US, we, we, we've started big. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not like we started small, is it? At all. No, no so um, yeah. Any any countries you'd love to see the podcast listen to in, Pat? Well, 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 my Portuguese. Um, I'd like to like to host the Marino country. Yeah, I'd like to uh, listen to one of them. That's for sure. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> baby. Oh, do you, do you know where I'd love Trinidad? So anywhere on the the Caribbean, I reckon. If anyone knows somebody <laughs> lives in the Caribbean, that would be a that'd be fantastic. That would. I like the thought of someone on a beach, yeah, listening to our yeah. dulcet tones. So, um... Yeah, I mean, they'd switch off after two minutes, wouldn't they? Okay, yeah, <laughs> if they get that far. So, the sports quiz question. Now, Chris Ainsco, you had an absolutely fantastic estimate, uh, or guess, would you say, of 280. Right. I can tell you the maximum score of a 10-pin bowling match is 300. Okay. So you are not far, you're a strike away basically. Oh, uh, right. Well, there we so they've worked. So how it works is you have to have a strike for your first 10 rounds. And then your last go, you know how you can if you get a strike or a spare you get another go. Yeah. You have to get three strikes in a row. Okay. So it's, you know, pretty much very unlikely that anyone has scored 300. Funny enough, you know, you strike when we used to go and you strike in Utah. <laughs> there right. was that um there was that thing wasn't there that said my highest score is 204. If you can beat it, you win a score or something or you win a prize. Do you remember that? I can't say I remember that back. You've got a great memory. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously 204, I mean, that's unbelievable but but if someone gets a, a nit, well, a perfect score, you're talking 300. <laughs> you strike. <laughs> Unbelievable place to go. So that's it for this week. Uh, anything that we've mentioned today that you'll be keeping a close eye on in the days ahead, Chris? Obviously be keeping an eye on Cheltenham. Um, won't have any flurries myself, but um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll look out for the Gold Cup results and then obviously Brighton Newcastle be looking out for that one with a, a massive game at the foot of the Premier League really um, anything on your front Paddy? Yeah well I hope I hope uh, I certainly hope Antonio and Maupay do us a favour this week because otherwise mm. people are not going to listen to our fancy football yeah. captain choices <laughs> um, but uh, what am I looking forward to I suppose the the finale of the Six Nations Um uh, a solid FA Cup weekend, which has some good games, um, and hopefully England uh, winning the the five match series against India. So uh, yeah, that'll be I'll be certainly keeping a close eye on that one. Good stuff. Great stuff. Well, thank you for listening, and we look forward to bringing the next episode to you in a week's time. In the meantime, you can find us on social media to keep up to date with our latest plans and releases. And as ever, thank you to Black Market, who provide the music uh, that you'll hear throughout the podcast. We really appreciate that. And don't forget, we'll be, we've had a bit of a rejig. Um, we said we were going to release George's interview with this episode originally. Um, 
but we're planning on releasing the interviews separately. Um, so you'll hear from our guests in almost a separate release, which we're planning to do. It will be every other Sunday. Um, so we should have that one to your ears by Sunday evening. And any uh, teasers that you can give the listeners, Chris? Yes, it's really good to talk to George. Um, we covered basically his um, footballing career from start to where he currently is at Newtown. And along the way, he sort of provides a good insight into all the sort of experiences of youth football, making a professional debut, playing in front of fans. Um, but I think that local people particularly be interested to hear his views on the coaching side of it. Um, you mentioned sort of about sporting facilities and things like that in the local area. Um, so I think it's well worth a listen. Um, yeah, and it's really, well, I find it interesting speaking to him. So hopefully it's uh, reciprocated by everyone else. Oh, fantastic, Chris. That's really good. And I'm, uh, I'll be definitely listening to it on Sunday as well. Right then. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, Pat. And uh, look forward to seeing you next week, mate. Yeah, we'll see you in the same place next week. Goodbye. <laughs> there we are.